Last Things First. This episode of Last Things First is sponsored by Casper Mattress. Go to www.casper.com slash lastthingsfirst. Type in the promo code lastthingsfirst and receive an amazing price on an amazing mattress. Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Today's guest, Hannibal Burris, threw himself a big old birthday bash when he turned 30. By then, Hannibal already had released two albums in a Comedy Central special, written for Saturday Night Live and 30 Rock, won an American Comedy Award, and was providing straight man sidekick glances for The Eric Andre Show. It's his 33rd birthday today, and I checked back in with Hannibal in his hotel room in West Hollywood as he prepared for another TV appearance to promote his new Netflix stand-up special, Comedy Commissado. He's also got a new season of Broad City to support. We talked about what it's like to know everyone is paying attention to your comedy, thanks cause. What to do next? and the importance of having your own comedy room, and some other surprises. So let's get to it! So Hannibal Burris, last things first, since this will yeah. be airing on uh, February 4th, Thursday, most likely. Let me yeah. be the first to wish you a happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thanks a lot. Is this, is this the first time you've uh, lined up the schedule to have something big fall on or near your birthday? Because yeah. you have this new stand-up special it's on Netflix. Comedy February Comedy 5th? Yeah. The day after my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> was, that a, was that part of the negotiations with Netflix? Not negotiations, but after, like, once we got it finished and from delivery to the earliest possible date usually is a couple months. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, we can line it up with my birthday. That'd be fun. And a little bit of extra promotion, I guess. Maybe. <laughs> we'll see if people give a fuck about my birthday. <laughs> but it'll be a nice <laughs> gift to myself, at least, to have something. Because without it, being turning 33 would be pretty uneventful. Really? Are you already at that, that phase where birthdays are not a big to-do? <clears throat> I mean, it, it's as much as you want to make it i think without i think this is worth putting around a birthday but mm -hmm. like I, I don't know if i would have a big birthday party independent of this but now i get to have a premiere party mm -hmm. uh and and show it and it's i think it'd be nice and it's a birthday party too it's very contrived when was the last time you did a big thing i know you've done big things for your birthday before right my 30th that was the last time what did you f do for that? 30th, uh, it was at Knitting Factory, and I had DJs. I had Cypher Sounds and Rufio and DJ Terra, and uh, uh, we had Hip Hop Karaoke, and uh, Questlove showed up, and Action Bronson, and a bunch of friends came through, and I had one of my favorite restaurants, Asia Dog, they came through, and I paid for food for everybody, mm -hmm. and so it was my 30th, it was a nice time. When you when you were thirty, is this how you imagined the first three years of your thirties playing out? No, not really. I mean, but no and yes, there's aspects of it that 
But yeah, I mean, I expect to progress as a comedian and right. progress in 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 my career and 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 keep working and and, and do good work and put out more specials. So, and, and my thirtieth was twenty thirteen. So, put out two more hours and done a lot more work and acting and, and television and, and film. So. I'm I'm happy with the and progress. the Comedy Central series and the Comedy Central series the one one that you star in one that you're a recurring regular yeah in so yeah I've got to gotten to learn a lot and had a bunch of experiences um, in in these past few years yeah <laughs> when is the when is the first I'm not gonna ask you the question that a lot of people ask yeah instead I'll ask you what's the first time you realized that people were paying attention to what you were saying. Uh, I mean, you mean just in general or paying attention to yeah. my to my work? I mean, I've to a smaller scale, I've had that for immediately from when I started comedy because I started on a college campus. Okay, which means this is a very small community. You know, my school maybe had twenty thousand people in it. The town itself had maybe twenty, thirty. This was, this was in Southern Illinois? Southern Illinois, Carbondale. So, like, my second show I ever did was on campus, so mm -hmm. I'm around those people when I'm walking to class, so the next day people are coming up to me repeating stuff that I said in the show. And this is my second time ever doing stand-up. So, yeah, it was, it was kind of... I, I think it was actually beneficial for me to start out in such a a small environment um just to it's nice to have that support right early on and it was easier to it was easy to get a crowd to to promote an event was pretty because it wasn't really much going on in this town so you just say comedy show and you don't really need people don't need credits and they're like Whoa, was it on BET was it on <laughs> Comedy Central just like alright what is it $3 cover charge right. alright we'll go to that <laughs> so you know early on I had you know, successful events for, for where I was and was able to draw people and you know worked with other comics and 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 so yeah it just it was early in that stage I was able to connect with people just because it wasn't that many other people doing what I was doing. And it's I don't know that Southern Illinois has a rich comedy tradition. Was Jenny McCarthy probably the biggest person to come out of there? Uh, Dick Gregory. The Dick, Dick Gregory went to SIU. Oh, really? If I'm not mistaken, I feel like I'm right on that. You rather do your research real quick? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, why did you pick it? The school? Yeah. Because it was one of the few I got accepted to. Also, okay. I went to a program there where you can go take classes during your, after your junior year of high school, you can go to this program called Future Scholars. So I went to that program, had a fun experience, and then I went to it again because you would get uh, credit hours for your uh you get credit hours your after you that would apply to your freshman year of college. So I, I went to this program and decided to go there to that school. Dick Gregory did go on a track scholarship. Yeah, uh, but that's not why you went. You what? <laughs> 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 uh, 
It's not why I went. You're like, I want to go where the pioneering black stand-up comedian slash track athlete went. Yeah. <laughs> so what did you want to, what did what what did you think your future scholar Hannibal would be when you enrolled? I don't know. I think it was just get a job. Yeah. Yeah, just that. You didn't have college. an initial plan. Not really. Just I want to have a business. I was a business major at first. So I was okay. Thinking, I guess I'll run a business. It wasn't anything else beyond yeah. that, really. I, and I think, I mean, I'm definitely. I know that there's college students that go into college with a precise vision of their future, but I think yeah. the majority kind of go in just because it seems like that's what you're supposed to do, and then you kind of figure it out from there. Right. There's plenty of people go in thinking they're going to be pre-law or pre-med yeah. or something, and then by the time they graduate, they realize, oh, no, I'm something else. Right. And then there's there's plenty of comedians I talk to who claim that they knew they were going to be comedians by, like, 12 or 13. Wow. When did you when did you when did you when I was nineteen when I started? But before before that it wasn't No. No. It wasn't on the radar. Not at all. Some performance was on the radar. Like I had Mm -hmm. done stuff, but I never even thought, oh, maybe stand up comedy. It just didn't seem attainable until I saw an open mic. Mm -hmm. It didn't seem like something you could do. Because it wasn't as it was somewhat accessible on the internet, but it wasn't like now, of right. course, where this is 2002, so it wasn't podcasts and sh- shit, and it wasn't just like... It wasn't YouTube. It wasn't YouTube, where you could just learn about it. Right. There was book. you had, I mean, but if you wanted to do it, you really had to dig in. It wasn't mm-hmm. like a quick Google search away like you had to go to the library and look at look for books or you had to go to the bookstore and like look where, do you have anything on stand up comedy like yeah. stuff you, you had to really go uh be active but once I got into it that's when I started just looking up whatever I could find and grabbing books and picking up people's DVDs and you know getting these CDs the Jerry Seinfeld on comedy like it was this one on comedy series mm. George Carlin talking about comedy and his his process and and he and getting these uh just really soaking up whatever I could get was it Judy Carter the yeah. comedy bible she had, had a comedy com- bible and she also had later she did a comedy bible in a box kind really? of or stand up class in a in a box they yeah. sent me one once yeah uh it was this zen and the art of stand up comedy mm. something like that yeah yeah i would just get whatever i could just to Read. I just wanted to read about comedy and and learn about it. Did you buy those books or take them out of the library? I bought those books. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so do you have a pretty rich bookshelf now of comedy stuff? A, a decent, decent bookshelf. A lot of that stuff is uh, at my mother's house. Okay. Yeah. That first open mic that you saw and you're like, oh yeah, was that in Chicago or? That in was Carbondale? in Carbondale. Okay. Yeah. Do you? Do you remember what happened to any of those people? Are any of those people still in comedy? Mm, no. <laughs> Not that I know of, no. Okay. Yeah. But it's a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of, I mean, a lot of people don't stick around. It's yeah. a tough thing to, you know, to stick with. And it's if you 
Yeah, it was college. People tried a lot of stuff in college. I didn't stick around in, as a business major. <laughs> I didn't even stick around. I didn't even stick around a full year for that. So, yeah. So after college, you go back to Chicago, where you where you're from. Yeah. And what was your first steps in terms of finding your place in Chicago's comedy scene? Just go wherever. Just it was this paper called the Chicago Reader. Mm-hmm. And you could, it just had the listings for open mics. And so I would just go to whatever was listed. It was like, I'm going to go here yeah. and, and sign up and just trying to go up wherever I could go up. Which was the first club that passed you or made you a regular? Uh, I mean, z- at the time, Zany's was the only full-time club. Jokes and Notes yeah. came around like jokes and notes might have been oh six or so oh seven maybe jokes and notes but as far as in the city limits okay the uh, zanies was the only club now it's they have laugh factory they have up and uh a couple others and jokes and notes so it's several clubs but so yeah zanies okay in oh five i started featuring off and on as age and then i became aware of you just a couple years after that when you were already chicago's funniest comedian was that a thing that was i remember there's a contest i won contest (laughs) was that your first contest or had you done other contests before? i think i'd done other contests yeah i'd done other contests (laughs) how elaborate is the is Never the format for that. at all. I think it was about it was a, some people entered. I don't think everybody in Chicago even entered. Okay. May, maybe I was the funniest out of the people that entered that <laughs> contest or whatever, man. So you it's, it's, it's a nice, it's a good looking trophy. It's so you weren't up against uh, Kyle Kinane or Lil Rel or no, I wasn't. Who was around? Who was around then? Who were, who were you was seeing around, at all the but shows? But he wasn't in that contest. Uh, who would you see at all the shows you went to? Earlier on. Uh, like talking 2002-ish to 06, 07-ish, 08, it would be Kumail, mm-hmm. uh, TJ Miller, Kyle Kinane, uh Pete Holmes, a uh, bunch of other guys. Uh, you know, do some shows with Lil Rel occasionally. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, Dion Cole, I would see a lot. Uh, yeah. Now I know some of those guys form like their own little group, the Blurds. Blurds, yeah. Uh, were there a lot of groups like that, or or was it a pretty cohesive scene? No, it wasn't that many groups like that. They, but yeah, they started with yeah with Jordan Vo Roberts. They yeah. were putting together some really uh, well done videos. At the time, and they they look they look really dope. It wasn't me. Uh, Lil Rel was in a group mm-hmm. called the Last Laugh Troop. It was him, this comedian Wildcat, is a comedian Michi, and uh, Kevin Damful. I think Simpson is his last mm-hmm. name. Uh, so they did a lot of shows together and some yeah. touring. I guess with a name like Hannibal, you don't have to have a. A nickname. You no nickname. You already got Hannibal. I had a nickname. Oh, yeah? 
What was a it? stage name. Really? Amir Natural. <laughs> I went by that for about three shows. <laughs> what made you start doing that and what made you stop? Because uh, my middle name's Amir. Okay. And I didn't know I, that. I before. thought I was a natural. So I said <laughs> Amir Natural. Mm. And it's like a sentence almost, right? Yeah. It is a sentence. Yeah, please welcome Pretty to the cheesy. stage, Amir Natural. Amir Natural, and yeah. yeah, and then I realized what I was doing wrong, and I stopped calling <laughs> myself that. <laughs> you realized, or the other people told you to stop? No, I realized it. I okay, like, what am I doing? I mean, some other I might have asked other people in name, but I didn't need their mm. input. I I after I was like, I don't I gotta go back to Hannibal. That's stupid. <laughs> Now, kind of likewise, I know that part of your story is you moved to New York twice. Yeah. What did you What did you learn in between the first and the second times to make the transition so much more successful the second time you moved to New York? Uh, nothing really. I mean, it wasn't anything to learn. It was just, you know. Uh, save some money and just it was a different situation when I moved back and and, and uh, I had uh, yeah it wasn't any, and, and that first four months in 2006 mm-hmm. instead of January to May 2006 pretty successful considering just moving to New York was tough to get a a leg up mm-hmm in a city in as a new comedian I got on a decent amount of shows and met a lot of people and booked Montreal new faces during that trip where they had seen me in Chicago during this doing the same material like killing mm-hmm. in Chicago but they didn't value it as much seeing in Chicago but in, in New York, they're like, oh, it was in, it's in New York. <laughs> and then I, I got it from there. Huh, but I don't think I would have got it. You're the same person, same, quality, same jokes. Same jokes. Same stage presence? Same stage. It was only because I, I think I did the showcase in December or early January in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And then where where in Chicago was the hideout? Okay, the hideout is a a music venue, mostly music venue. uh, In Chicago, it's really great place. Also, I've done a bunch of shows there. And um, and then in New York, where was the audition? Booked it, had a few callbacks, and and booked it, man. But where was the audition in New York? Because maybe it was the venue. One of them, they gave you more cachet. My third one was stand up New York. Okay, well that's not a big. It's uh, not a big room. I don't remember where the other ones are. Maybe Broadway Comedy Club. I'm just, yeah. I'm guessing. I think one of them was Broadway. Okay. Either the initial or the callback. Yeah. And, yeah. Now, what was your first Montreal like for you? I've heard varying experiences from people. It was cool. It was a little, it was overwhelming. I thought it would be something that would, I would do Montreal and then I would be making a living from comedy right mm-hmm. afterwards. Like, I thought, that's what I thought. I was like, okay, I'll do this, and then that's that. I, I I didn't expect to be rich or anything, but I expected, like, I'll be able to start pulling 30, 40,000 a year. Have some place to live. After this, it wasn't the case at all. I got, uh, well, I did get booked in 
Uh, Holland from doing Montreal. That's something. So I performed in Holland in 2006, fall of 2006, four years in. <laughs> what? So doing comedy is pretty good. That is pretty good. Going to a foreign country, needing a passport. And Need, all that. That's why I got my passport. It was because I had that. I had never been out the country. So then I got my passport because of that. Now I remember being in uh, in Holland at an internet cafe and looking at the news, and that's how I found out about the uh, Michael Richards Kramer. <laughs> the, I mean, you were uh, all the way in Holland and when I was that just happened. Like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. <laughs> That's that was kind of one of those moments where people realized, you know, talking about how different comedy is now. Yeah. From when you started, that was kind of a turning point where people realized the power of fans. Right. <laughs> do you um do you still use the uh what is that company called that puts the phones in the sleeves? I don't use them. Chappelle uses yeah. them. Yeah. But you, but you were like one of the test subjects for that. Yeah. They, you know, I I've there is a solid company. Yeah. I uh <laughs> I took a little issue with how I I used it and mm-hmm. they didn't try but then they really like as far as the press pushed it out mm-hmm. heavy and I was yeah, like, yeah. Oh man, I didn't know y'all gonna do that. <laughs> I would have rather paid you for the service or negotiated something before if I knew that you would have sent a press release to every get some spokesman, single spokesman money, right? Or, or that I, you know, I know that just from that one time using it, that uh, damn near a year later I'd be talking to you about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, d- I didn't know you weren't using it. What? Yeah, I only used it once. Oh, okay, I only used it once at a show in Napa. Chappelle has been using. Chappelle loves it because people will steal his whole shit. Yeah. And post it online, and and people, especially at his, they do it at mine a little bit, but his is intensified because oh, his you see, you don't see him on TV anymore. You don't. He does. He tours, but he doesn't do. He's you know. So people are like, well, and so beyond just the filming and mm-hmm. photography aspect, people will, will you not even listen to the show, just text here, Dave Chappelle. LOL, blah, blah, blah. So I've done two or three shows with him where he's used it. Yeah. And it's it's amazing. The crowd is super focused. Nobody really chatting. Like, it's, it's uh, it really works. And it, it loosens him up, too. Because I can see he'll, you know, go different places and and just try all types of shit and just get real loose and fun. Because he knows nobody's filming it and putting on. Right. Like, he kept on talking about some stuff. He'll say something and be like, "Nobody would believe you. <laughs> 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 Who'll know? There's no phones in here. I could do it." So it was, it was a fun energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that show with him. It was a week ago today. So what do you? So what do you? If you're not using that service, what do you do to kind of lock it down? So your, uh, so your, your sets, whether they're loosey goosey or whether it's. You're just stuff I you're just, working on that that stuff doesn't spiral right. out into the media. Kinda, I just kind of trust people. <laughs> I, right, I mean, but I'll, that, I'll have them announce it. No phones. No, right. no. That that usually helps. It's not that bad with me. 
Uh, I mean, people going to, you know, try to do shit on the sly if they right. want. But, yeah, I don't, you know, it's just I don't. I may, maybe I'll use that service again. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? I guess it, it must be kind of dependent upon the venue because I remember seeing you perform at Whiplash maybe a month or a couple months before that Philly show and mm-hmm. nobody yeah people certain laugh places people don't film yeah comedy seller people don't film really uh yes yeah, some crowds are trained and some people are just you know know the <laughs> environment well the cr- <laughs> the crowd or is it the the venue venue and you know certain so it's the it's the minority right. of of people it just seems like it's a lot when it's happening but yeah. it's really not it's a small percentage of people. Just the same as hecklers. A couple hecklers can kind of just change the vibe of a thousand-seat room. Two Completely. people can taint the energy, you know? So or start a fight. Or start a fight and just ruin everything. And so, then that video ends up on the internet. And then it just, you know, be like, this fucking crowd was crazy. Really, it was just two people, and it just, you know, the bad vibe spread. Hello, comedy fans. I'm Sean L. McCarthy, host of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First. Are you lying down? If you are, are you comfortable? I don't know how often you buy a mattress. For me, I bought my first mattress when I was 21, and it took a long time before I even thought about buying another one. It's not something you think about every day. And yet a mattress is something you rely on every night. So when you're thinking about buying a mattress, you want to get something that's comfortable and comes at a fair price. Casper Mattress does just that by cutting out the middleman. So you can get a twin-size mattress for about 500, king-size for 950, that's almost half of what you pay for in a store. Casper combines the latest technologies of latex foam and memory foam to give you just the right sink and just the right bounce, which is what you want when you're laying down for eight, nine, even 12 hours, or even just a quick nap. Casper mattresses are made in America and come with a risk-free trial and return policy. Try sleeping on a Casper mattress for 100 days with free delivery and painless returns. Listeners of this podcast can get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com slash lastthingsfirst, type in the promo code lastthingsfirst. You're not dreaming. You're listening to the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First. Let's go back to when you were in Mont- uh, Montreal and you got the Holland gig. What was your uh, your job, your home life like then? I don't think I had a, a regular job. I was staying at my parents, back at my parents. Okay, so you had a place 06. to stay. Uh you yeah, you I think sleep I sleep on the subway anymore. No, I was back. I mean, which I didn't need to do that anyway. I could have just went back to Chicago, but um, yeah, I was in Chicago. I mean, doing odd work here and there, mm-hmm. promotional work. You know, where you get fifteen bucks, you get these gigs, fifteen bucks an hour to hand out samples, hmm. to hand out Power Aid samples. Yeah, yeah. Or rock star energy drink, which you know what, handing out free samples is some you get you get to see the worst of humanity because you just see people coming back, oh. shirt stuff that they were like, I gotta right. get some for my kids. Or people just really will beast that shit. I'm like, man, people are monsters. I like to get an extra, but people would just people really Horde. will abuse it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we're good for them. It's free. Was that your what was your last day job? Was that your last like non comedy day job? Yeah, it was it was something like that because I stopped working officially like around 
2008. I was what getting, was the, yeah. What was the turning point? No, it was just more. Just I started. I was selling merchandise. Mm-hmm. I was selling T-shirts, and getting a decent amount of feature weeks where it would be you know it was off and on, but some weeks I would you know some months I would be, I would have four weekends booked. Which you yeah. know to live in Chicago, if you get four week, you know rent is, my rent was like five hundred bucks, four hundred bucks or something like that. It was five hundred bucks at the time. You get a few weekends, three hundred, four hundred a weekend, plus a couple hundred a weekend merchandise. Then you doing all right in Chicago as far as you know, twenty five scraping by. So uh, yeah, it was that. I started getting scattered work and moved got an apartment with a with a friend and another and a crazy person turns <laughs> out and uh comics yeah. or one comics. comic one other hmm. see now it could go either way which one was the normal person which one was the crazy person both kind of <laughs> both kinda crazy but the comic was the the one I, I mean that's who my friend was before you know okay. what i mean that's why Knew before and right. and uh, ended up. And the merch was that uh, the big merch item was that the the pigeon kicking shirt was yeah. that your big seller? Yep. Do you still have merch? I, in I like tra- a, in the traditional sense of I made a pickle t-shirts. juice shirt. Yeah. And they sold all right. It's just a gotta set up my online shop. If somebody is good at online commerce, shoot me a Instagram message and help me. Make some more money. All right, you All heard right. you heard it here. Yeah. Um, now I remember distinctly the night that you performed on Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. <laughs> How soon after that set did you hear from Lauren? I didn't hear from Lauren. Who did you hear from? Seth Myers. Okay. I met with Seth Myers and Steve Higgins. I think it was about two weeks or something like that. Okay. Uh, so they let you leave the building before they yeah they started leave the started building. putting the hard s- s- sell on you. It wasn't a hard sell at all. <laughs> like, do you want to have a paycheck every week while working at a comedy institution? It's not a tough sell. Not a tough sell to mm-hmm. a broke comedian. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I met with him a couple weeks afterward. I didn't want to take the meeting. Actually, why not? Because I was thinking, what the fuck do they want with me? I can't. I'm not a sketch actor. I didn't submit a packet. Right. So they don't want me to write. I just thought it was like a bullshit general meeting. They just wanted to be like, what's your story, man? <laughs> Which is a lot of. You didn't think maybe Weekend Update? Not at that. No. <laughs> I wasn't that ambitious. I was just like, what the fuck? Why would he want to meet? Why don't you just say something? In the, just send an email about. <laughs> their intentions i don't mm-hmm. i didn't it was it did not cross my mind initially that it could be about a job it was just like this dude just want to meet and i had a price line name your own price ticket back to chicago that's set when you do name your own price i've never done price line i, I used to swear by price line <laughs> back in the day when i just needed to get a flight and i needed to to be as cheap as possible mm-hmm. dude so, so you do, yeah, you name your own price, mm-hmm. and it might have one connection or whatever. And so it, it's not a easily changeable situation. You know what I mean? It's not one of those. It's not a call. non 
refundable. Yeah, it's not a refundable. Is is so it's a lot to you know. It's so I was just like, man, I got this name you on price flight back to. <laughs> I can't be meeting with Seth Myers about some bullshit, man. <laughs> <laughs> just have a cup of coffee. You can't just hang out with Seth Myers. I got this name you on price flight. <laughs> Who the fuck is gonna change this for me if everything falls apart? And my agent just take it. Please take the meeting. <laughs> yeah, your agent is like, please take it, please take it, please take it, please take it. <laughs> and, uh, so I meet with him. Mm-hmm. And it was just, you know, chit chat. Talking about comedy, life, and shit. I, I think it was just one where he just wanted to gauge that I wasn't a crazy person. Right. Just let me sit down. Suss you out. And look at this person in the eyes, see yeah. how they'll be in the room with people. And um, then at the end, he offered me a job. Wow. Yeah. And then you went from there to 30 Rock. No, I went from there to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and explained my situation to the lady and got my. <laughs> Was able to get on another flight. Oh, so you were able to negotiate something. Got on another flight, and it but, was I was sitting on that flight, mm-hmm. ordered some celebratory drinks, mm-hmm. told the dude next to me, I was like, I'm, I just got hired to write for Saturday Night. <laughs> and what did the guy next to you think? Oh, he was excited. I mean, he wasn't excited. He was just like, oh, cool, or whatever. He, <laughs> I mean, obviously, he's not gonna be as excited as I am. <laughs> he wasn't in the business. Yeah, probably. Who knows? And so I was drinking. I was reading this book, mm-hmm. I think, called Acting for the Camera. I used to, re- you know, read all types of yeah. craft books or whatever. And then he was like, I, d- I do remember him saying, can you learn that by reading or do you learn that by just doing it? <laughs> he was <laughs> criticizing my reading choices. The guy on the plane? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, where's he now, though? He's not in a hotel room waiting to go on Jimmy Kimmel Live. His name is Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, you win some, you lose some. Yeah. <laughs> but career-wise, uh, you know, you did the year on SNL, and then yeah. you went and you worked for Tina Fey and 30 Rock for two? One season. One season. And you got to a- act in, in some of the episodes as well as write. Yeah. Did you, did you see that becoming more of a potential career for you than stand-up or was that always something that was just like well i will entertain these people if they want me to be in the writer's room and if they want to put me on camera but stand-up is my thing it was just more it just popped up you know Mm -hmm. where i yeah my intention was to be on camera and do my own but my most of my early acting opportunities are for people just saying, all right, let's put him in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the homeless guy stuff on 30 Rock was because when we would write something and it, if it, the character isn't casted already, then they just, uh, for the read-through, have mm-hmm. a writer read that part. So I read it in the read-through and got a laugh. Then when they were when we were in the room, they're talking about casting. Right. And they just like, uh, let's just have Hannibal do it. And like, cool. <laughs> and then they just kept on writing the character in. Other writers kept mm-hmm. on putting the homeless guy character in to the point where I started thinking it was goofy. Not goofy, but I'm like, well, y'all gotta stop, man. Tina, 
Just stop playing. Tina gonna make y'all take that shit out. <laughs> I started thinking that it started popping up that much, but it why, worked. <laughs> why is this suddenly a regular character? <laughs> yeah, it was fun because I wasn't a particularly good staff writer. I got some stuff in mm-hmm. and, and and you know worked on stuff, but I wasn't. You know they had monsters on that staff that were really great. So. I'm like, what did I do to deserve this? Wait, so you're telling me that fake Elon Musk was right that you didn't learn about the acting and writing from the book? <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. Um, well, how about how about the part of uh, Lincoln for Broad City? Did you, how did how did you get roped into that? Was that an, that wasn't an audition process, was it? That was no. A- it was. Uh, I met Alana and Abby. Uh, years few years back mm-hmm. doing shows and they hit me up about doing the web series okay and then i did the web series and then i guess a couple years later a year later whatever when they got a pilot deal they wanted me to do a a version of the character um and uh they wanted me to do a version of the character in the pilot mm-hmm. so that's how it went down Okay. Yeah. So you were a slightly different guy in the webs in the original web series. Slightly different. Yeah. It Not was, a yeah. dentist or Well, the the web series guy wasn't as fleshed out as a person. He was just more of a some dude that uh Alana's fucking <laughs> versus, you know, having a job right. and uh Being personality a and, and dreams and shit. Yeah. yeah. Having dentist dreams. Having dentist dreams. Uh, and then you you played a cop in not one but now two neighbors movies. Two neighbors movies, cop action. It's great. I auditioned for neighbors. I think it was keyed up for me, but I did go into the room and and audition. What was that like? It was fun. It was loose. I ended the audition by saying, "Hey man, listen. I know you. Just give me y'all. Y'all know me. You know what I can do. <laughs> just give me. Just book this shit, man." Yeah, so you you let them know you wanted it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh yeah, audition is weird. For comedies it could be Yes, yeah, it's, it's a tough thing. You got to really work them, man. You got to really prep hard. What's the last audition you went on? Samsung? I, I didn't audition for <laughs> Samsung. I was a straight up offer. Oh. Uh, like we've had Neil Brennan do our ads. We need something yeah. a little more. <laughs> Uh, Baywatch. I well, I didn't go out for that. I put myself on tape for that. Oh, the reboot that's happening, or yeah. whatever they're calling it. Yeah. What was the, what was the part? The part was for a cop. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you've seen what I can do. You know what you I know, can do. You know what I'm about. It was some other movie that <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't go out for. Mm-hmm. It was a cop thing. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not auditioning for it. You see me in the uniform. I was like, they want me to audition. Mm-hmm. Just send them my stuff from Neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I it's got. a cop role. That's how I am as a cop. If you want that, then uh-huh. send an offer. <laughs> Very nice. Now, how, how much, how important do you think it was starting your own room in Williamsburg? Very Brooklyn? important. Very important. Uh, yeah, it just was. It was great for one, two blocks away from my apartment. Mm-hmm. 
and it just gave me a place to work out and be loose and experiment and learn how to produce a show and did you do that in Chicago ever? Did you have your own room? I had a couple rooms, but not anything that long. Okay. I had put I had kind of one off shows. I had a, actually I had a show at Weeds that I ran a few times and a couple other places where I did a couple shows, but mm-hmm. never anything like that. Okay. You know where you would um, identify it with me. It didn't run that long. Nothing. But uh, yeah, running in factory was that was great, man. Just cause got to learn how to put together a show and you know how to book people and how to organize and as far as what order to put people in and how to you know keep an audience there and engage a crowd and you know learning different things to keep the flow and keep people like you know took a couple years i started doing intermission in the middle of the show oh really yeah just things like that where i was like the show's not that long but kind of you know it gives people an opportunity to leave right where they don't feel uncomfortable grab yeah they only they don't feel uncomfortable they can leave if they want no hurt feelings new people can come in during the break without feeling like they're interrupting the show nice the bar makes money People get to hang out, talk to each other, maybe not have sex later. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was fun, man, and got to bring a lot of great comics on stage and learn how to host and write, you know, kept me constantly writing and uh, got me a lot of press um, and, you know, made fans from all over. Like, when I, you know, towards the end, when I would ask people where they're from, it'd be people from New York, it'd be people from. London, we'd have visitors from Australia, all types of folks coming to to that show. So it was good to just have a spot where I was all the time. Versus people say, where are you playing? Oh, I got a uh, a 9.30 at the cellar. I'll be at the stand at uh, 10.45 on Wednesday. (laughs) Then uh, I'll be in Brooklyn on Thursday. So for that five years, where are you going to be? Sunday, I'll be at Knitting Factory. Nice. That's Sunday. At nine o'clock. If you don't come there that Sunday, I'll be there next Sunday. And then the Sunday after that, I'll probably be on the road. But the Sunday after that, <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> so, yeah. Do you miss not having a regular show, either as a performer or as a producer? No, I don't miss it. It's, uh, nah. It was fun, but it's just it, that time passed mm-hmm. for where I am and what I what I want to do. So, for that time where it was important to have you know be able to draw every Sunday and build a crowd and, and build a fan base and have people know where I am. Now for what a level of shows I want to do and level headliner, it's not beneficial to be that accessible. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want people to just to think that they can come see me for free everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> if I pop up, right. I pop up. But right, it, I mean that's like what the seller does is they don't advertise. Right, people just know. Oh, there's a small chance somebody might show. Yeah, up. so and even then, it's not free. It's yeah, so that's the main reason why I stopped doing because I'm doing this show at Bam. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, whatever Bam holds seventeen, eighteen hundred people. Like I want you know to have those 
level of shows in New York have the value that I want them to have, right. I can't have my name on a, a weekly free show anymore. Over all of these years of reading books and getting to hang out with comedians of all varying levels of fame, what's the last great bit of advice you've been given? Last bit great of last great bit of advice. Yeah. Um Chris Rock would say he says a lot when you do it a special, make mm -hmm. sure it's a special <laughs> and not <Yeah>. a normal. <laughs> 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 yeah. And a lot a lot of people put out normals. So you make sure it's special. <laughs> Especially in this current comedy boom we're in. There's sure. There's a lot of people who have quote unquote comedy specials. Mm -hmm. What did you do? What did you do to make this comedy Kamasado special? I just killed that shit <laughs> and went hard. And mm -hmm. I had been touring it for a while, and it was material that I believed in and that hits, and it's big jokes in there. And so, uh, and that's what that's what I did. But I guess you're all you're you're also the kind of guy who does make at least in recent years, turned shows into big special events like with marching bands or dancing troops and yeah, gibberish there's rap. Really, and yeah, there's really no trickery in this one at all, actually. Mm -hmm. We wanted to do some song stuff, but it would have been expensive to, to have the song cues in there. Okay, been like the licensing fees. It would probably been like twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a pop, so mm -hmm. didn't really want to cut into <laughs> the budget like that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was just... Um, yeah, for my live shows, I do, you know, like either having, sometimes having a band open or a rapper open or, you know, have dancers or sometimes costume, just weird stuff, yeah. just where people aren't expecting it and it's something that people would be able to get by watching a 10-minute clip online. Like, you know, just something just to, I, I go to, uh, I just go to a lot of shows too just to soak in just soak it in just production and just just i go to cirque du soleil shows a mm. bunch and and different things and lots of concerts just to try to uh just to try to pique my creativity just to try to think of how can i what kind of elements can i bring to my touring show to to elevate it and make people feel like you know it was worth it for them to spend their money and come out of the house. That is the businessman. Yeah. The businessman from your teenage years is back. Yeah. <laughs> so if you if you were to run into a um, a young person or a new person who wants to get into comedy and they ask you for advice, what's the first thing you tell them? I tell them, hey, get out of my face. <laughs> I'm talking with my friends right now. You're being very rude. Get the <laughs> fuck out of here, rookie. <laughs> 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 well, no, I, <laughs> I would say I don't know. I just you gotta do it, man. Yeah. Just do it. Just if you want to try it, or if you're starting, just keep performing and you know use the web to your advantage and 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 try to produce content and 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 write a lot and edit and write more and 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 do it as much as you can if you love it. Well, Hannibal, thanks for not. <laughs> kicking me out of your face. <laughs> <laughs> I, I appreciate uh, knowing you and, and getting to talk to you again. <laughs> no problem, man. Thanks a lot, Sean.
This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Gigglechick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Thanks first.